And we are here this week to bring you a great conversation involving the culture, politics, and current events from a biblical perspective. The only show in America where you will experience a fusion of church and state. Hope you had a great holiday, Pastor. Good to have you back in the radio station here. We had one show while you were gone. Yeah. In your apps. I don't think we... Pro- you probably knocked it out of the park. I didn't need amazing. to be here today. Call him back. You. Getting calls from all over the country <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so Mark Dowler and his uh, boy, uh, Tim, who is an employee at Fellowship Baptist Church where you pastor, where we broadcast. Yes, sir. Did a good job. Good. Never... I don't... Maybe second time on the radio he's hit. Nice. And Mark Dowler, of course, is uh, an experienced... He had a little radio show here that we've talked about before, but he had a little, like a two-minute show years ago when he was uh, a member here, back before he took his own church. But uh, So we had a fun time. I don't remember what we talked about, but I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday either. It's <laughs> <laughs> part of being in your 50s. You, it starts going. Your brain starts going. <laughs> That's where it starts, huh? <laughs> That's where it starts. You have that to look forward to. Well, I'm just glad we could both fit in the room this morning after yeah. Christmas. I mean, we had so many, in our home anyway, we had so many holiday cookies and goodies and stuff. I'm I'm just glad that we fit in the room together yeah. this morning. <laughs> I know. That's what you, you, you uh, dur- during the two weeks of which I love. I love yeah, the whole tradition good. of it. It is. You know? And so you just kind of, Katie, bar the door, just eat whatever. That's it. You know? Yeah. So, That's what Christmas is all about. That is. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> That's what it is now. <laughs> oh, right. So uh, how was your Christmas? What did yeah, you guys do? Yeah, you know, we had, a, we had a great time. We had, uh, uh, my boy came in from the Army. He's I in, saw him in church one Sunday. Yeah. Got to shake his hand. That and, was actually my oldest. My, oh, okay. My middle one. Um, well, yeah, we were here uh, for, let's see, yeah, you would have met him. And um, my oldest, Tommy, is a W. He's been, he was uh, working um, as a, well, what's it, what is it, we take a, you're in college and you take a job for Like a an semester. intern kind of thing? Yeah, or? something like that. And so he's been working from home for like three or four months. Wow. And left yesterday, and that was sad. And Zach, we had to take him uh, to the day before, take him to the uh, airport in Pittsburgh and left like in the mi- one o'clock in the morning, dropped him off at like four in the morning and drove back. And uh, it was hard seeing him go. So the house is empty again, huh? So we got a little girl, yeah. and uh, she loves the, atten- all the attention to herself. <laughs> that <laughs> was her cool Christmas though. gift when everybody yeah, was like, left. She's goodbye. like, back to, <laughs> goodbye, back big to me. <laughs> so you all had a good time. It man. was great. We had my, my in-laws in from Arizona, and so it was always good you know, around the holidays to have family around. And um, you know, it's, it's really neat in our home watching Christmas evolve from now the kids are getting older. 
And, you know, when you're a little kid, let's just be honest. I mean, Christmas is pretty much all about gifts. We've got Eden. Yes. She's four still. So yep. that we've got one like that. The rest of them, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't really need anything. It's just fun watching Christmas movies and hanging out together and playing games right. and all that stuff. But it was funny. We got, uh, of course, Eden, our littlest, is really into it. And um, we we thought we did really good, you know, getting her her gifts and everything. And and. Eden is very high energy, very high energy. <laughs> and she wanted for Christmas sure. a, a little trampoline. She calls him a jumpoline because that <laughs> I think that's a better name for it, it personally. It is a better name. It's very she, br- it's she, brilliant. Actually. She calls it a jumpoline. <laughs> and uh, and we didn't want to get that for because the one that, that we could feasibly do would, would just be like a little in-the-house one and it had a little bar you could hang on to and you just kind of jump up and down. We, we thought she'd get bored of it. You know, she, It looks fun on the commercial or whatever for two right. seconds and then she'd get bored of it. So yeah. we opted to buy her this little cart that she can push around and it has like this fake food and you can make fake coffee and serve people because she likes doing that kind of stuff too. So I, we bought her this, wrapped the box. Uh, it was like her last gift she opened because it was her bigger one. And uh, I pull her over, we grab the package and uh, position her for the picture, you know, because you want to get a picture of her opening her gift. All right. And, and when we opened the gift, I didn't know that on the box that contains this food cart that she's going to play with, I didn't know that there were pictures of other toys. And one of the other toys that was a picture on this box that they were advertising was a jumpoline or a trampoline. So she opens it up. She no. sees the picture of the jumpoline. She's like, I got a trampoline. And then we had to show her what was really in the box. And it was like, wah, wah. <laughs> So, very so anticlimactic. She, well, she will bring that Christmas up for the rest of oh, her yeah. life. Yeah. Thanks for my fake jumpoline, Dad. <laughs> that is great. That's a great story. All right. Christmas, I'll tell you what. There's something compelling about it. Well, there's, uh, you know, Christ is pushed out of it more and more every year. Yeah. But, but at the same time, um, he is omnipotent, yeah. right? I'm you can't get away from him in it. You can't. And, and and people, you know, the American people are still fighting for it. I will say this. I think I heard Merry Christmas more this year than I have in 20 I did years. Too. Lots of people said it Everywhere, to me. on mm-hmm. signs, on marquee yeah. signs and the whole deal. That, to me, was encouraging. And that means something because words do mean things. Yes. And Happy Holidays is a transfer from uh, Merry Christmas in that it like says winter break. goodbye, Jesus, goodbye, Christ. Yeah. Uh, and we're bringing that back, like, like uh, you know, and winter break, right? Yeah. Same old political correct stuff, but but Americans are are rebelling in a lot of ways, right. and, I, and I think that Americans uh, understand intuitively. It's like this LGBT stuff, uh, a weird segue here, but uh, but Americans understand understand intuitively. I believe. Uh, that something's wrong, yeah. and something's been wrong for a long time, and that uh, Jesus is in our DNA. In that, that uh, uh, re- religious freedom is in our founding from the very beginning. You know, Plymouth and Jamestown, it was in our founding and the, the Great Awakening, and uh, that's who Americans are. And Michael Medved wrote a book, and I can't remember the name of it now, but in this book, he explained how. Uh, freedom um, is in our DNA, literally, hmm. literally, hmm. Uh, because of who, who, uh, you know, I, I wonder this, you know, DNA is a f- 
fascinating, fascinating thing. And, and, and it's obviously God's fingerprints and saying, okay, um, you proved that I don't exist. Here's DNA, right. right? So DNA to me seems like a fungible thing. It's it, it seems like it changes, you know, because the Bible does say that our sins carry down to what the sixth and seventh generations mm-hmm. or different generations, depending on the sin. Maybe I don't know. You know better than I am not. But the, the point being that our sins passed down to to generations. That has to go through d- DNA, mm-hmm. don't you think? Well, I think that God's creation as a whole has responsive properties to it. The Bible casts this whole law over his creation. And it doesn't matter if you're saved or you're lost. It doesn't matter if you know Jesus or don't know Jesus. Uh, this is cast over all of creation, and it's this, the law of sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you do, however you think, whatever you apply to your life, it is going to fundamentally uh, transfer to who you are. And you're going to reap consequences out of mm-hmm. that. And I, I think that goes to actions, to DNA, to – I mean, we we literally are shaping who we are by why by who we allow to shape us. That's why I think the metaphor of the potter and the clay – is so rich in scripture when it talks about God is is the potter and we are the clay. He literally, if we will yield to him, forms us, forms us in our DNA, forms us in our health, forms us in our callings, forms us in our purposes. It's the same thing with the world. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, mm. neither the things that are in the world, because they're passing away. So, so yeah, so I, I just finished a, a book on natural law. And one thing that it did mention, the, the law of sin. Isn't that a phrase in scripture, yes. the law of sin? So sin yeah. has... A the law, law of sin to and it death. Too. Mm-hmm. Okay, the law of sin and, and death. death. So it has a law to it too. Every every sin uh, has a repercussion. Absolutely. Right? Every single sin, there is a uh, a reaping and sowing involved. Mm-hmm. We used to say that in America. We say karma now, which is an Eastern religious right. term, and totally different than um, sowing and reaping. But uh, you reap what you sow was a was a phrase that growing up. Uh, in the 70s and late 60s, uh, was a, a term everybody knew when mm-hmm. I was a kid. You would say that, oh, you reap what you sow. Oh, you re-. But as we become more of a secular culture, a post-Christian culture, that term is is almost yeah. not heard now. Sure. Everybody says, ah, oh, karma will get you. Karma will get you. And they don't know what karma is except that they understand that karma means revenge of some sort right uh but it's an eastern term it's a cruel term it's an unbiblical term reaping and sowing is a, a scriptural term that that uh, brings god into yes. the picture right all right so we're gonna we got a good show here for you folks today um, we got some interesting stuff we're gonna ta- uh, start out in the first segment here with uh some pro-life stuff and you're gonna want to hear this this is uh this is inter- interesting stuff first of all pastor the uh um the gal that argued Roe v. Wade in front of the Supreme Court in 1973, the argument may have been in 72, but no, 73, um, has passed away. Hmm. That's a scary thing. Yeah. How would you like to stand before God having argued for the right of American citizens, for ladies in America, to have an abortion in 63 million babies uh, subsequently slaughtered, killed. How would you like to stand before God with that on your hands? That's heavy. And you asked before before the show uh, a very uh, prescient question, and and that was, 
do you, did you, did uh, did we see anything about her having repented? And I don't know that she didn't. I just know that I didn't see anything. And, and usually, I, that's something that is that highlighted. Would definitely, yeah. That would definitely. This article is a Newsmax article. Uh, Newsmax, I think, would would uh, include that in the in the in the article if there was. I, I didn't see anything. And here she is, Sarah Weddington. The article is Sarah Weddington. There's a there's a uh, irony. Wedding right. Weddington, <laughs> lawyer who argued Roe v. Wade dies at 76, and she's a um, a charming looking lady at 76 years. She was a, a, a pretty lady, and even into uh, even to her, her late age, she's very smart, intelligent looking, and uh, uh, but very wrong in what she did. Sarah Weddington, who argued the 1973 Roe v. Wade case before the Supreme Court that legalized abortion nationwide, has died at age 76. Weddington, who argued the landmark case when she was only 26 years old, Pastor, Hmm. 26 years old, standing before the Supreme Court, arguing Roe v. Wade. That's a a profound thing. How many 26-year-olds make it to uh, have the opportunity to argue for the Supreme Court. Uh, she did, and she won this case, which I think the, the justices were eager to hear it anyway and eager to rule uh, to allow abortion. That's my, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that she was so profound and brilliant, but she won it, yeah. and, and there we go. And, you know, that's a, another understanding of sowing and reaping to a certain extent. I mean, she's going to stand before the Lord now and give an account of of those actions, of of being associated with um, really murder and death. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, 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 I don't know that uh, there seems to be little fear of God in America. Do, do people stop and contemplate what, what their, the repercussions are? Do, do well, they not understand that I'm gonna they're going to stand further before God? with this. No, she's, she's, go ahead. And, and uh, this, this, this bothers me about Christianity too, is I know that there are people who call themselves professing Bible believing Christians and they'll vote for people who will support abortion. Mm. They'll vote for platforms that will support abortion. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it's a tie-in to a, a generational leaning or some family affiliation or whatever. But, but I believe we're going to give an account for how we vote. We're going to give an account for how we stewardship our opportunities to proclaim truth. We're going to give an account. Mm-hmm. So we talk about this lady who probably is lost, who probably doesn't know Jesus and is living out of her own convictions of, of worldliness and, and what makes sense to her in the vanity of her own mind. But let me ask you this. What excuse is there for a believer who knows the word of God, who knows God's very thoughts concerning life and how he's formed it in the womb, and yet will vote and support platforms and people who continue to push and fund abortion, are they not going to give an account of that before their their Savior one day when they stand before him? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so she went on to, uh, ironically, you're talking about voting. She she was uh, elected to three terms in the Texas House of Representatives, mm-hmm. general counsel for uh, the Department of Ag under uh, Carter and so on. But uh, there she is, this, this poor lady. Um, it, it, it brings chills to think the eternity that she Boy. is about to endure if uh, if we believe in in uh, the biblical the biblical doctrine of hell and we yeah. do right 
So there it is, sad thing. Uh, Mary Weddington, um, she chose her path. She wanted somebody, something got in her brain mm-hmm. that um, women must have that right. I don't know if it was at a university or what it was, but something got in her brain about uh, about being just just focused and and um, serious about getting that passed. And it passed. Yeah. Here we are. That's right. Um, now that's the bad part. The good part. Here's a here's a a little blurb from a uh, the Guttmacher Institute, a pro-choice think tank, and um, they're saying a record number of abortion restrictions were enacted across dozens of state states last year. So wow. this is what's happening since uh, I think the last twenty years, but like five hundred different. Different laws passed in stations, uh, states all across America, including West Virginia. We've had a number. Every year we have some kind of a, a pro-life legislation passed since uh, Republicans took over in, in 2015. Hmm. And um, Guttmacher, a former Planned Parenthood affiliate, published the report titled State Policy Trends 2021. Listen to this. The worst year for abortion rights in almost half a century. Wow. That says that, something. Isn't that awesome? which found that 106 abortion restrictions were passed in 19 states last year. That would include West Virginia, too. I'm sure Ohio also. Ohio just recently passed the heartbeat bill. Hmm. Uh, policy associate Elizabeth Nash, who authored the report, noted that the number of legislative pieces is, quote, the highest total in any year since abortion rights were affirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1973, unquote. Wow. Mary Weddington would be disappointed to hear this. Um, the highest, the, uh, let's see, the highest total in any year since 73, in, in 2021. That's amazing. Nash also pointed out that last year's abortion restrictions surpassed the previous record of 89 abortion restrictions passed in 2011, Hmm. in 10 years. In 2021, several pro-life pieces of legislation were signed into law, including several heartbeat bills that ban abortions after six weeks of pregnancy and restrictions prohibiting abortion after 20 or sometimes 24 weeks of gestation. The record number of abortion restrictions exceeded the number of pro-choice measures last year, of which only 10 were enacted. Only 10 pro-choice hmm. pieces. They're not passing, even in blue states. Wow. I don't know if there's nothing else. I don't know if they've gone as far as they can go with abortion. You know, There's no other laws that they can pass. Well, let's be honest. They went pretty far with it. I, yeah, mean, I mean, when you're when you're aborting babies right up to the moment of birth, I mean, that's about as far as you can go without just killing babies after they're born. Exactly. As Guttmacher said in the report in October, the state with the most new restrictions is Arkansas, 20, followed by Oklahoma, 16, then Indiana, Montana, and South Dakota with nine each. Wow. So... Um, there you go. Some great news from a pro-choice organization. Go, uh, Guttmacher is not our friend. And they're saying, look, uh, the most laws, and this has been happening, 2010 was a big year for pro-life, frankly, hmm. Republican. Pro, uh, it was during the Obama administration, and everyone just rebelled against what he was doing. And all these Republicans got elected yeah. like crazy. I forget, 60-some seats, I believe. 
Um, and then all this pro-life legislation started coming coming out, and uh, the number of seats in state state houses See, was phenomenal. It does matter who you elect to office. It, it matters in a way that is exponential to what you really think it does. Um, so here you have all of these over a hundred uh, over a hundred uh, pieces of legislation that are protecting babies. And uh, here's one in Texas. How long we got here? We'll just do a couple minutes here real quick. We're running out of time, but uh, for the segment. Next segment, we're going to talk about some fascinating population stuff. So stay tuned. But uh, Texas abortion ban has cut abortions over 50%. And we may have done this article when you were here. I forget. It may have been with the dollars were here. But uh, has cut abortion over 50%, saving thousands of unborn babies from abortion. Hmm. So, they uh, the heartbeat bill passed in Texas. They redu- reduced abortions there by fifty percent in the first month. Wow, fifty percent in the first month. That's a that's astounding. Oh, but uh, it doesn't matter who you elect, like you said. So right. All right. So here it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. September twenty twenty one, twenty one hundred two thousand one hundred sixty four abortions. Um, were provided in uh, September of 2021 in Texas. The year before, 4,300. It's, it's, it's cut by half. Wow. That's the laws of God. That, what God gave us. God gave us the law. He gave the law to the Jews for a reason. Mm-hmm. Laws prevent evil. Yeah. They, 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 uh, they put perimeters <laughs> around, around evil. They don't stop evil. Obviously, we have wicked hearts, but laws are for the purpose of laws is to uh, help us to live righteously, right? right? And to uh, to glorify God and so on, and to protect innocent lives, which is what pro life bills do. And a picture on this article: little little blue eyed girl, and she's cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I love these. So anyway, that's lifenews.com, and the article is goes uh, goes on from there and has some. So, uh, so here, let me just, one more thing before we go here. Um, so Texas abortion facility directors have reported even, I, mean, I wanted to mention this, even bigger drops in their abortion numbers, as high as 80% compared to the previous wow. year. 80% fewer abortions because of the heartbeat bill. And I know the guy in Arkansas where they had a record number who uh, who got it passed. He's uh, uh, Jason Rapers, a great senator down there. Um, all right, so that is the abortion news, which is a lot of good stuff. So we'll keep praying about that Supreme Court decision right. coming up in, in uh, June or sometime in probably early summer, uh, late spring. And, um, uh, you know, just, uh, Lord, have mercy. We, we need for that to be overturned. Take it back to the states. Amen. And let the states... Uh, make their decision and stand before God right. accordingly, right? All right, so we're going to do some uh, some great, uh, some really interesting uh, population news that's not necessarily good, but we gotta you got to uh, face reality on stuff before you can fix it. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show with Mike Gazinger and uh, Brian Leversey. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Vianna. So 
We appreciate you folks tuning in. We uh, are glad to have listeners, and uh, we're honored. Hey, we're honored to do this show. It's That's it's right. uh, it's an honor to have a microphone. It is, and a responsibility. Of, yeah, it is definitely. So, thank you, Lord, for that, and thank you to our listeners who uh, tune in and listen. So, second segment here, we're going to talk about America's population grew at slowest rate since the founding of the nation. Wow. That's chilling. People, a lot of people, I think, don't understand that uh, civilizations don't survive if they don't have a positive, it a takes, positive uh, growth rate. Yeah, it still takes people to form, yeah. form a civilization. I, I think that, I, I think that, um, you know, what uh, what uh, na- nature's uh, opinion is of a vacuum, it detests a vacuum, and and I think a lot of our immigration is due to a natural vacuum bringing people into a country that won't procreate. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Uh, this is really an interesting article. The Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's, mm-hmm. he, he might be the smartest guy to ever. <laughs> I can't listen you. to him. Uh, my kids love him. I used to read him a lot. I used to use my my radio show in Indiana. Uh, but that was his articles. I can't listen to him, but he's so daggone smart. Mm. And he, he, he goes to these colleges with that brain of his, and he just dismantles all yeah. the arguments. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and he's not cruel about it. He's just kind of matter yeah. of fact about it. Facts don't have feelings, I think. Facts it's, it's... do not have feelings. <laughs> all right, so in 2021, the United States population increased at the slowest growth pace since the nation's founding. Oh, my goodness. The Census Bureau's vintage 2021 population estimates show that the U.S. population expanded by a mere 0.1%. Wow. 0.1%. Just to maintain, you have to have 2.1%. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because obviously people die. Yeah. Right? And we have uh, we have uh, uh, an elderly population in America. And, and part of that, look, it's because we've been killing babies for right. 50 years is one of the reasons. That's exactly right. We killed 63 million babies. Yeah. How does that affect a country? How does that affect – uh, how does that affect um, an economy that's trying to find workers? Yep. I think that that has something to do with the present-day crisis where people can't find workers. We killed a lot of them. I heard the jobs numbers today. There's 10-point-some million job openings and 6-point-some million unemployed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a problem that you – can't imagine having it. Yeah. Having it, the the problem's always, well, people are looking for jobs, can't find jobs. Well, uh, it's the other way around. Yeah. Employers can't find employees. Yep. If we're to believe what, um, you know, what I, I heard the jobs numbers today was phenomenal for, for December, like 800,000 jobs created in mm-hmm. December. So you have a lot of those are, are uh, part time probably working sure. for the, you know, the Christmas season. But at the same time, that is, an encouraging number, but this number is not encouraging that um, the U.S. population expanded by a mere 0.1%. The agency, the CDC, uh, summarized it like this. The year 2021 is the first time since 1937 that the U.S. population grew by fewer than 1 million people. Wow. Featuring the lowest numeric growth since at least 1900 when the Census Bureau began 
annual population estimates. Apart from the last few years when population growth slowed to historically low levels, the slowest rate of growth in the 20th century was from 1918 to 1919, which was amid the influenza pandemic in World War I. Mm-hmm. So you have some extenuating circumstances here, like a pandemic, which we right. are um, experiencing or just did, and uh, a war. Uh, among other reasons, the agency cites decreasing fertility. So mm-hmm. this is the reason, capital T, capital H, capital E, in my opinion. Because we've uh, fertility has been decreasing for decades now, yeah. and not just in the U.S., but actually worldwide, the whole Western <laughs> U.S., even into uh, uh, Japan, China. China kills theirs. Uh, you know, they they have a one-child policy, which they just changed, by the way, to two children. <laughs> How about that? But uh, and then the Middle East countries, the uh, the Muslim nations, are procreating, mm-hmm. but um, the Western nations are not. So, among other reasons is, uh, as I said, decreasing fertility and increasing mortality due to an aging population. So that's not really a reason. Um, Old people die. That's always been the case. So from 2020 to 2021, in one year, here's the top growth states. Excuse me. I think I just spit on you. (laughs) You got excited. (laughs) I got a a candy cane. I'm I'm sucking on while I'm talking. Remnants of Christmas. I got a hole when I brought you that you refused to I rejected it. (laughs) It is kind of I've had bad experience. I've had bad experiences with candy canes. (laughs) (laughs) We won't go into it. That's another show. That's another show. From 2021 uh, 2020 to 2021, Idaho grew by 2.9%. That's Hmm. real growth. Yeah. Um... High, that's the highest in the country, 2.9. Wow. Mormon Mormon states you're going to see. Other fast-growing states, Utah, mm-hmm. 1.7, which is not good. Montana, 1.7. Arizona, 1.4. South Carolina, 1.2. Here's the slowest-growing states. Watch this. Negative growth in these states. New York, minus 1.6 growth. Wow. Illinois, minus 0.9%. Hawaii, minus 0.7%. Hey, if I'm going to be born in Hawaii, um, if I have a chance to be born in Hawaii, hey, uh, sign me up. You know, <laughs> what's the deal? Negative point seven percent. I'm going to live in Hawaii, California. Negative point seven percent, as well as who's the number one? It's not even a state, but a district. D.C. District of Columbia, the most severe population decline at negative two point nine percent. Wow. So. Um, What's your What's your opinion on um, on uh, having babies? Man, I think that this really highlights where a people or a culture's heart is towards themselves and others. I think this is the epitome of selfishness. Um, when you're not wanting to follow God's plan to be fruitful, and that fruitfulness is to bring forth more people. Um, and, and for, for thinking that's going to be an inconvenience or a difficulty and our own selfish greed, uh, not wanting to have to... I mean, people are having children. I think part of the infertility issue is people are waiting to have children later and later in life. I remember, oh. you know, my wife and I were married young. Um, I was 21. She was 19. Um, three years later... Oh, we, if I could just have gotten <clears throat> to her before that. <laughs> I could have just talked to her and just reasoned with her. You don't want to do this. <laughs> um, but, you know, relatively early on in our marriage, we started having 
having children, and now yep. we have four. Four. And uh, we kind of allowed God to just work that out in our, in our in our relationship and in our lives, and kind of left it up to His will. We knew it was His will for for couples to to be fruitful. And um, I just think that says something about a culture pulling away from the callings of God and then supplementing their own callings of selfishness. And I think that's just really the depiction of it right there is this population decline. Well, I think there's, there's no doubt that it it, uh, it reflects the. The uh, zeitgeist of a culture, yeah. there's no doubt it does. Even uh, even Elon Musk, there's a, an article I'm tr- trying to find here on my uh, about um, mark my words. Here it is. So Elon Musk, who I'm starting to, he's starting to grow on me a little <laughs> bit because he, he kind of does that. <laughs> he's uh, he's coming out and say, look, uh, I don't want the government's help in my car company. He's mm-hmm. the richest man in the world right now. Yeah. I called him up for a campaign contribution. <laughs> and I couldn't get through to him. I yeah, don't know what yeah. they wouldn't let me. Try again. Mark my words, Elon Musk bucks leading smart people, quote unquote, with warning about birth rate. I can't emphasize this enough. There are not enough people. Yeah. That's what Musk said. Yeah. Elon Musk. There are not enough people. And I think one of the biggest risks to civilization is the low birth rate and the rapidly declining birth rate. And yet so many people, including smart people, think that there are too many people in the world and think that the population is growing growing out of control, um, the tech billionaires said. So I, I remember a statistic, and this is true. I've, I hear it over and over. I've heard it num- numerous times that if you took every single person in the world, you could fit them inside the state of Texas hmm. with like eight square feet a person. Wow. You could fit the whole world inside the state of Texas. Hmm. This is uh, just absurd yeah. that that uh, we have to have some kind of population growth. That is of the devil. Yes, it is. And uh, it, it comes from men like uh, Bill Gates and others. Uh, but, uh, but I don't know if Musk knows it or not, but he's agreeing with God on this. Um, if you don't have more children, civilization is going to crumble. Mark my words, Elon Musk said, and Elon Musk knows he has he has a billion dollar corporation company. Um, but that, the irony, that employs people. The irony of this. Now, to my knowledge, Elon Musk isn't married. Is 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 he married? He's not married, right? Uh, I think he's I think he's married. Is he? Well, I don't know. I can. I never hear anything talking, about his family. Uh, but you know, a lot of people say these things, they make these observations, and then their life flows in with the life of culture, and uh, and we don't have children, we don't have families, we don't prioritize them, we don't consider that uh, one of the greatest callings that we've been given. It's always career first, and materialism first, and the pursuits of my own career first, it seems like, and and there's just not a carving out of, of opportunity to, to really connect with the callings of God. so It says um, here that he <laughs> he's so he's been married, uh, married and divorced one, two times, three times, because he remarried the same gal and got divorced again. It says here seven children. Oh, wow. Well, now, he's doing his part then. <laughs> so I don't know if that's – there is a asterisk by it. So I don't know if that's – It's accurate. <laughs> but apparently he does have children. Apparently he does have uh, Well, good for babies. him. Uh, good for him. Let's see here. Let's see. That's what Rush Limbaugh used to do. You never want to have dead air time. <laughs> yeah, get to talk to him. So anyway, I don't have time to look through all of this. 
But it says seven on Wikipedia. Well, there you go. Wikipedia it's is pretty, a joke, but yeah. Wikipedia uh, always gives you the basics. <laughs> don't, don't, don't venture too <laughs> don't. far because they'll lie to you. But if you want the basics, um, so anyway, uh, Elon Musk, um, you know, I, I've never liked him. My boys love him, and this is the type of stuff they they love him for because sure. – um, because of stuff like this, he he is not he is not a sheep. No, and I'm not pushing Elon Musk because he's got some other issues. I think in terms of his belief system, but but uh, he is he is on board with. Uh, hey, look, we need we need. Well, what uh, he says is babies. spot on about that. Yep, I mean, it, it is, is spot on. It definitely is. So uh, it also talks about. I don't know how much time we have here, but uh, we got a few minutes. So there are currently just 23. We talked about this. I think you are – it was either you or the Dallas. I'm getting my weeks mixed up, but – um, well, you are over 50. Yes, I am. I'm 56. <laughs> oh, wow. There are currently just 23.1 million American homes with with uh, nuclear families. Wow. So did we talk about this, you and I? I think we did. So yeah. it's the fewest since 1959. Man. And um, – so average average marriage. You were talking about how young you uh, how young you all, you and your wife were. The average age of a woman at her first at her first marriage now is twenty eight and a half. Are you kidding me? In the nineteen fifties and sixties, it was typical for a woman to be twenty point four yeah. years old. Well, my wife was nineteen and I remember when we were going to pick up our marriage license. Yeah. And we were walking down that hall. It was the same hallway everybody that was getting divorces walked down to get their <laughs> paperwork too. And you got people, you know, look like they were kicked in the gut, you know, mm. sitting along the sides of the chairs on the hallway wow. and we're coming to get our marriage license and everybody's looking at us and saying, Don't do it. You don't know what you're getting into. <laughs> Literally I tell you, that was real encouraging. While we were they actually said <laughs> they it? were. No. Yeah. At least four people did while we were going to pick up our marriage oh, license. Don't goodness. do it. You'll be back in this line. What again. state was that? Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Isn't that something? Well, yeah. you know, it's 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 a sad thing. A lot of people a lot of people get hurt. Um, uh, divorce is a, a a brutal thing. I've never been divorced, but um, my. My wife and I, you know, we have a, we have a good marriage, and I have a good woman. Hmm. Uh, but um, uh, a lot of people get divorced, and yeah. I can't imagine going through that. It's a you know, it it embitters a lot of people, and and um, it's it's an awful. But thing. But certainly, it's children. reflected in our culture with their attitudes toward you know marriage and children and cultivating a, a home and and building a, a culture. Sure. Oh, okay, so the average guess the average. I'm gonna test your. Inside here, the average average age for a man to marry in 2021 right now is what? What would be your guess? I'm going to say 29. Close, 30.4. Okay, you're close. Um, it doesn't doesn't say what it used to be, but my guess is, you know, men used to get married early 20s, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the america's fertility rate dropped to 55.4 births per thousand in the second quarter of 2021 which is is uh, uh, i don't have the comparative number to that but but it's the worst uh, since our founding that's that's profound a lot of things have got, been going on you know with uh with covid and so on but yeah. um you know, to me, moms and dads were homes. You'd think babies would be, be – yeah. be, but but that's not what happened. This is the thing, too. I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about the infertility issue. Um, 
you know, I, I believe that this should be a priority, marriage and having children and, and following God's callings in our life. And I think the putting off of, of getting married, the putting off of starting a family and everything that you do ahead of that, you know, I, I believe we are a country that has a lot of promiscuity to it. We have a, a country, a, a culture where we intervene in our biology a lot to prevent, you know, children and birth. And, and when you do that for the first part of your life and, and you fall in with the cultural idea of I'm not going to have a family, I'm not going to have a marriage, yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait and I'm going to just play and have fun and abuse my body and do these things, I believe that catches up with us over time and, and produces a lot of what we're seeing in these infertility rates. I also believe this. I believe that when you are a culture that murders babies in the womb, that God in his grace may also say, Hey, I'm going to hold back the fr- you know God in in Scripture in the Old Testament, He yeah. held back the fruit of the womb uh, as as uh, a way to get people's attention yes. to say, Hey, I'm going to hold that back because I'm either going to steward it for my own glory later on in your life, or I'm going to hold it back as as a reproach on on your wickedness. Hmm. And I believe that might be happening in our culture wow. as well. Yeah. So, like we said in the last segment, every sin has some kind of a, a repercussion to yeah. it. God does it. God's not blind. Yeah. You know, he searches the inward parts of the belly. Yeah, right? that's right. So his, my, my belly takes a little longer to search than yours. But I'm <laughs> a couple thinking, more spotlights. I'm thinking God's capable <laughs> either way. All right, so next segment, stay tuned. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about Marxism. And this will be a very, very interesting segment because of because of the article that I'm going to be talking about in terms of how communism fell. Folks my age and uh, maybe a little bit younger and older will, will remember the falling of, of, the, of the, the communist bloc nations in Eastern Europe. It just it was almost as fast as the domino said. It was, it was just stunning to watch. Hmm. But um, at the same time, we're going to talk about what was going on that same year in the United States in terms of Marxism. Hmm. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. And uh, we've been having fun today. We haven't been in the studio in a few weeks. You especially, yeah. I was because all wild. you had uh, you had uh, your vacation time with the it family for several weeks, and that's that's great. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, 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 the Christmas season is is not designed for work. You're not supposed right. to be at work. At Christmas. I agree. Every day you wake up and says, "Don't go to work today. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's season. Christmas season." <laughs> and that starts like I think a week before Christmas. Yep. Nobody should have nope. to work. And then that week after Christmas, maybe going to the office a couple times, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So people see you go see, in. That's right. And you can say that you went. Drop off some Christmas cookies and go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. The New York Times reported the mainstreaming of Marxism in U.S. colleges 30 years ago. Today we see the results. So 30 years ago. What else happened 30 years ago? So this is a fee story, F-E-E. I think it's Foundation for Education something. They've been around a long time. It's a good organization. Uh, But I ran into this article, and it says in August 1989, this is interesting. Listen to this. And this, uh, we have a 
we have a, a church member who's a mutual friend of ours who grew up in um, a communist country mm-hmm. in, in Europe and, uh, in, uh, and got saved there. Yeah. In August 1989, Poland's parliament did the unthinkable. The Soviet satellite, which is Poland, a satellite of mm-hmm. the Soviet Union, the, so- uh, the Soviet satellite state elected an anti-communist as its new prime minister. The world waited with bated breath to see what would happen next, and then it happened. Nothing. Hmm. When no Soviet tanks deployed to Poland to crush the rebels, political movements in other nations, first Hungary, followed by East Germany, Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, and Romania, where Hmm. our buddy's from, soon followed in what became known as the revolutions of 1989. The collapse of communism had begun, and it was a sight to behold. It was Hmm. breathtaking. So, that is, uh, that's Europe. That's happening in Europe. These Soviet blocs, one by one, falling. On October 25, 1989, a mere two months after Poland's pivotal election, the New York Times published an article headlined, The Mainstreaming of Marxism in U.S. Colleges. Hmm. The same year that the Soviet blocs nation started falling, the New York Times, a mere two months after it started, published an article, The Mainstreaming of Marxism in U.S. Colleges. Wow. How about that for irony? Yeah. Describing a strange and seemingly paradoxical phenomenon. Even as the world's great experiment in Marxism was collapsing for all to see, Marxist ideas were taking root and becoming mainstream in the halls of American universities, and there they stay. Hmm. As Karl Marx's ideological heirs in communist nations struggled to transform his political legacy, his intellectual heirs on American campuses have virtually completed their own transformation from brash, beleaguered outsiders. They were. They were a joke. Everyone laughed at them, including me. From brash, beleaguered, beleaguered outsiders to assimilated um, assimilated academic insiders. And that's uh, Felicity Berenger saying that. There were notable differences, however. The stark, unmistakable contrast between the grinding poverty of the communist nations and the prosperity of Western economies had obliterated socialism's claim to economic superiority. I've said this before. when When the commies came over and visited, and we took them to the grocery stores, that's what that is part of who, yeah. what just we had food. Right. We had food and great food, fresh food, unlimited food. Mm-hmm. Communist nations have death and starvation. As a result, orthodox Marxism with its emphasis on economics was no longer in vogue. Traditional Marxism was retreating and had become quote unquote unfashionable, the Times reported. Marxism wasn't truly retreating, however. It was simply adapting to survive. Mm. We know that, right? You yeah. did a series on on uh, critical race theory, and that's how it adapted. It adapted into critical theory. Watching the upheaval in Poland and other Eastern Bloc nation, nations had convinced even Marxists that capitalism wouldn't give way to socialism anytime soon. But this would cause an evolution of Marxist ideas, 
not an abandonment of them. The Marxists don't quit. They saw where it wasn't going to happen economically because of America's uh, superpower with capitalism, which is built uh, based on biblical ideas. Right. And uh, so they said, okay, we'll try a different tech. Why are they so relentless? Because it's their God. Yeah. Right? This is the God that, they, that the, uh, the Marxists have chosen this God. Yep. It's a it's an atheist god and it's a brutal god, but it doesn't include the true god, and that's what they like about. That's right. It. So here we go. Marx has uh, become revitalized, and um, Marxism was not dying; it was mutating. Yeah, and that's what it did. Marxism and fe- feminism, Marxism and de- deconstruction, Marxism and race. This is where the exciting debates are says a professor at the University of Cal- California at Irvine. Yeah, it's, so, it's uh, crazy how, you know, like you say constantly, where there's a vacuum, nature abhors a vacuum, and something's going to come right into it. And it seems like Marxism waits for its opportunity. And while Marxism was collapsing all over the front on uh, the Cold War there in, in uh, Eastern Europe, uh, there was a vacuum in our colleges. There was a vacuum in our areas of learning, and Marxism filled that vacuum, and then we taught whole generations how to embrace principles that led to the collapse of the Soviet bloc. <laughs> it's just amazing it's, how that it's happened. It's stunning to behold. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you want to walk away from God, you can do that. Um, and America has, has been doing that for a lot. Uh, I, I don't, I, you know, I think it's accurate to say we're a post-Christian nation. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's accurate, and and a lot of it stems from when when did the when did they get God out of the the school systems? Was that the sixties? Sixty two and sixty three was uh, I think prayer was first, and All then right. the Bible. So there's Supreme the vacuum, said, right, right, right there in the educational at system. At least out of the education system, right? and and the fruit of what happened in the educational system previous to that, you know, focus on God, a focus on, uh, um, you know, our form of government, uh, a fork, a focus on. Um, capitalist uh, ideas that spring from if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, those types of principles from Scripture. All of that was still being fruitful into the 70s and 80s with, with the workforce here in the United States. But what was happening here in the 80s, according to this article, the vacuum in the schools, the vacuum in the mm. colleges, mm. that's where Marxist, Marxism found its its footing again. Mm. And now we're, we're producing a culture out of that, the reaping and sowing. It's all coming together. Yeah, so you you mix Marxism, secularism, yep. evolution, uh, and w- w- what what are the results? The results are uh, thousands and thousands of kids burning buildings down. That's right. Uh, that's you know where does Antifa come from? Well, it's a nihilistic uh, worldview. Yeah. You know, just destroy. It's Marxist uh, a Marxist wor- worldview, and if you dissect it. Now, look, Black Lives Matter had on their website, look, we're a Marxist anti-family yeah. unit group. They took it down, but that's what they said. Mm-hmm. They are Marxist in uh, uh, in their creation. The creators, it's not that old of a group. but uh, So that's what happen, happens when you teach kids th- yeah. these things. In 300 years of history, we taught – Scripture. Yes. Yeah, we've talked about this before. The McGuffey readers that, yeah. that you even read mm-hmm. um, as as a kid, and uh, the, you know the Blue Black Speller, the the New England Primer, all of these, um, uh, the, all, all of these biblically based education books that sold millions and millions. I think I think McGuffey readers 
uh, over 100 years sold like 100 million copies. Yeah. Everybody read from everyone learned from it. And you had uh, you had a whole nation learning from a, a common well of capitalism, biblically based ideas, and uh, our nation was founded on Christianity and the Great Awakening and and so on. Then you, everything's cool. Mm-hmm. But now you have a balkanized nation where everything's cracking up because we don't have uh, because we have a, a nihilistic worldview right. that we've been teaching for for decades and decades and the irony is that just as Europe was breaking up and becoming um, let me look at my time we're out of time here but uh, uh, becoming freer at least American uh, American universities especially universities were ad- adapting adopting uh, Marxism so yep. There you have it, and uh, we certainly need we need the Lord more and more in America, and that'll fix it. All right, uh, so we got our last segment of the show. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do etiquette again, the art of manliness. Let's learn. We'll be back uh, in just a minute. This is the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Gazinger, and my co-host right here, Pastor Brian Leversey, the only show in America where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. This is the etiquette segment. we got to go fast because we are out of time. <laughs> All right, so the art of chivalry. All right, they mentioned chivalry wow. in the Art of Manliness book that we, that we go from. So we're going to take five of the first uh, lessons on chivalry that they give. This is a... Husband and wife, Brett and Kate McKay, wrote The Art of Manliness. Number one, open the door. A gentleman will always open and hold the door for a lady. True. You like, uh, carry a handkerchief. True or false? false. You're doing the truth thing. <laughs> do, do not carry a handkerchief. A, ha- a clean hanky should be part of every man's arsenal. So he's disagreeing with you yeah. on this. I'm false. Sorry. <laughs> a clean one, yes, but they don't stay clean. That's why it's evolved. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Number three, retrieve dropped items. The polite thing to do is help pick up a lady's dropped items. True. Yeah, that's good stuff. Number four, walk beside a lady on the stairs. True. Never walk behind a woman on the stairway is what they say. So, um, Number five, walk on the outside of a sidewalk. True. Yes. My dad always said, you always put the gal inside. If, you, if a car's going to swerve and hit, you're going to go down, not yep. the lady. Or this book says this allows your lady to be, a far, uh, to be farther from the traffic in case. Uh, Puddles and in stuff. In case someone yeah. in the car splashes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so there's the first five of the art of chivalry, a, a dead word. Not just a concept. You don't even hear chivalry anymore, but uh, this is good stuff. The Art of Manliness book. All right, so uh, we are done with the show today, but we do want to mention that because I'm I'm heading into um, the session in Charleston along with all the other legislators next week, that we're, we're going to have a different format sure. just because we can't meet during the week right. and do the show. So I'm going to do some interviews every week. Or t- we're going to try to do this. I, I've never done it this way. We're going to try to do it this way. And uh, I'll find a, a different topic or whatever, let folks know what's going on in Charleston, and uh, interview a uh, a legislator. Sure. 
probably a senator because I have more access to them. But uh, And then um, I'll call in to the show. Yeah. That's what we're going to try to do. We'll do that. So it won't sound the same. It always sounds different with a call in. But so we'll, uh, we're going to try that for the next two months. The session's 60 days. It starts next Wednesday, which is the 9th, I think, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Today's the 5th. Um, no, it would be the 12th. 12th. So it yeah. starts on the 12th and goes through March 11th or 12th, something like that. So that's what we're going to try to do. It'll be different, but it'll be good. I think we can handle it. Yeah, I think we can. So it's going to sound a little different. It, um, I think it'll be different in terms of the content, but yeah. I think it'll be. I think folks will enjoy the the interviews. So I agree. we'll take a topic. You'll know what bills. I'll do it on important bills, especially bills that are that uh, Christians care about, which are uh, me. You know, I care more about the the social issue sure. bills. It's just you know that's my heart, and uh, I think a lot of our listeners do too, and I, I know you will too. Uh, freedom issues, that type of thing. So. So stay tuned. We're going to run this show all the way through. We're not uh, we're not going to take a two month break just because of session. We're going right. to we're going to do it every week, Lord willing. We may have to miss a week or two, but for the most part, all right, uh, folks. We love you. Appreciate you. And you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great day. I-